Is Aliens 3 is as bad as its reputation suggests? It followed two classics and left many fans in the cold. In this review, we'll discuss our experiences with the film, where it takes the character of Ripley, and the many differences between the theatrical cut and the 2003 assembly cut. Let's dive in. Welcome, everyone, to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter, and joining me, as always, is Tara. Greetings, citizens. And we have crash-landed on a present planet, because this, in honour of Alien Day 426, LV426 to be precise, we are once again, for the third year in a row, doing a movie in the Alien franchise. Of course, third year means it's the third time, therefore it is Alien 3. Unless we're doing them in order for some weird reason, but I would not let that happen, I'm too anal for that. We did do Alien vs Predator before this. <laughs> Because we're counting it as part of the Predator franchise instead, because there's more <laughs> alien movies. At least right now. That might change as time goes on, because uh, Predator's maybe catching up soon. There's a, a fifth one coming soon. We're going to talk about Alien 3, uh, the much maligned. Obviously, we had a blast talking about Alien and Aliens the last two years, because they are exceptional films. They are masterpieces of their, their, their kind. Aliens is my personal favourite movie of all time. It was nothing but praise. It was glowing, effusive praise. It was probably sickening. It was like eating too much chocolate and just feeling a little bit fat because it was just so much good yeah. stuff. I, I didn't like listening to it. Things have changed a little bit this time, though. Because Alien 3, a bit more divisive. And even that's maybe been a generous take on it. I'd say it's gotten a little more divisive over the years because like, I, I do think it's found a bit of a fan base. Some people do quite enjoy elements of Alien 3 and stick up for it. Certainly after the alternate cut, the assembly cut came out uh, on the Quadrilogy DVD and that's now been kind of considered the main version of the film for the last, well, 20 years next year now. Jeez, uh, time has flown. You know, attitudes have changed a little bit, but there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to get into. There's a lot of reasons why this was very much hated when it came out. And a lot of reasons why a lot of Alien and Aliens fans aren't that fond of Alien 3. We're going to get into all that. We'll start spoiler-free, as we always do. We'll give you a warning before we go into spoilers. So, yes. Uh, yeah, the premise of Alien 3, if you do not know, is that uh, the ship, the Sulaco from the end of Aliens, uh, has some problems during the opening titles, <laughs> and it crashes on a planet which has nothing but a prison colony. It's like a working prison colony. And Ripley is the sole survivor. Both Newt and Hicks are dead. They're just dead at the start of the movie. They're already gone. And Ripley has to deal with the fact that she's the only woman here. It's a, it's a men's prison. And of course there's an alien running around eventually. And what changes up things a little bit from the previous films... It's a lot more alien one in the sense that there's only one alien and they're fairly limited. It's not colonial marines where they've got like a, you know, an arsenal of firepower. But even more so in the first film, they are very limited in that they don't even have a single weapon because this is a prison and there's no firearms of any kind. Uh, they don't have, you know, they have like a couple of knives maybe and maybe an axe that's like a tool <laughs> to use as a weapon, which against a xenomorph is a little, you know, it's coming you up a bit short. You don't want melee against a xenomorph. No, <laughs> the acid blood kind of, you know, spoils your day a little bit. Gets in the way. It's, it's in the bad times. So, 
that is the, the basic gist of, of Alien 3. Uh, so, obviously I'd seen this before. Uh, I've seen the assembly cut a few times. We both watched the assembly cut for this review. What's interesting is that Tara had not seen this version of the film before. That's not true. Oh, it's not? I thought it was. Mm-mm. I have seen it before. But you did tell me you hadn't, right? I'm not making that up. Well, I told you that I didn't own the quadrilogy, but I did borrow it from a friend a few years ago and watched <laughs> all, all four of them. I have been greatly misled. This is... So I have seen this cut before, yeah. And, this is a, you know, not too long ago. This is a sickening betrayal, quite frankly. But like, if you wanted to purchase the films digitally, like for some reason you, the assembly cut isn't what you get anymore. Uh, you get it in the extras on iTunes if you buy it through Apple. Mm, you get I the choice. Not. Yeah, you get the choice of which cut. Uh, I think the other providers don't offer that, so you just get the theatrical cut, bizarrely. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is strange in this case in particular because there is quite a big difference, and you know, we'll talk about the differences when we get into the, the spoilers and the nitty-gritty of it, but there's an entire middle chunk of the film that wasn't in the theatrical cut. There's alternate versions of things. There's alternate... Like, the alien comes from an animal and depending on which cut of the film you watch it's a different animal uh there's so many little things as well sprinkled throughout and then there's a big thing at the end there's, there's a lot of things throughout it's, there's, there's, there's a lot of differences between the cuts um and i will say that without a doubt the assembly cut is the better film of the two because it makes sense there's like you know chopped up parts that are still in the theatrical cut that don't really makes sense until you see the assembly cut and understand the context for why these two or three things happen so there's there's, there's things like that going through it uh but okay well okay i will add a big intro about how oh this is the first time you've seen the other cut and we you know that should be a shocking experience for you and that could be like a whole angle of which to take to start off this review and it is as dead as new is so i'll just ask the question tara how do you feel about alien 3 I actually like Alien 3. I don't think I've ever been somebody who hated it. Like, I understand because of your feelings for aliens, why you would hate it. Um, I I do think it has a very unique look. It has a a pretty cool, like, prison planet look and, like, world that they established that still fits in the alien from more Ridley Scott's alien. Um, And, you know, some pretty great acting in it some some heavy hitters in there i like the movie i i do find that the assembly cut is very long like that middle chunk is good um but some of the pacing especially in the second half of the movie just really slows down quite a bit to the point where i'm just like let's just can we just get on and not have any problems anymore (laughs) not having a new thing that they have to fix (laughs) um but anyway, it, I do like the movie. I, I don't think it's bad. I never really thought it was bad um, to begin with. I I appreciate a lot of things about it. Like, I think visually, like you said, it is, it's got a look. It, it is very cinematic. And I kind of like this weird tone that it's going for. Now, admittedly, is it the tone that I wanted in an Alien movie after Aliens? I'm, I'm not so sure. It's kind of a weird pivot. Uh, you, know, you know, even ignore for, for now the characters that are just sort of killed at the start and things like that. But just in the sense of after Aliens, like, is this what you expected of an Alien 3? Is for them to go back smaller again and 
more focused and i'm not saying that's the, a bad choice necessarily um I, i'd argue that maybe you should have just done it with someone other than ripley and just so you know so you, you don't have to ruin the end of the aliens you can just have this you know setting have these types of characters and just sort of go from there but there are th scenes in the movie i like there's definitely uh, stuff I, I do think there's a lot of objective problems as well and it's not all just because of the, the shift yeah. from aliens some of it is quite valid there was a lot of very similar looking bald white men with very similar accents and it's not necessarily always easy <laughs> to keep track of which one you're looking at at any given time you know time. which one pete post away this though sure yeah but i know his face already though that's the thing <laughs> I recognize him. And he's always bald, whereas a lot of these other guys are shaved just for the movie. So Yeah, I mean they all have pretty unique personalities for the most part though. Like you learn you definitely spend a lot of time with each one of them, which is helpful. The um the thing that I think is, you know, very notable is that the alien looks bad most of the time. It looks like it's it looks like it's got the wrong coloring <laughs> like it's too yellow and sometimes it's too blue and uh the cgi xenomorph looks bad except when it's just a guy in a costume well it's 1992 yeah i mean that's 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 the answer to that right there is that it's 1992 cgi mm -hmm. uh, although i said i'm not sure because some of the shots i don't know if they're in the theatrical cut which makes me wonder when they did this cut in 2003 did they like have to do a little bit of the cg work then for some of the extra shots did they make it look like it was 1980 <laughs> they didn't make it match yeah they didn't go too far just so that it would look it would fit with everything else yeah <laughs> now what, what i was gonna say about the characters is that uh, i actually do have a hard time not so much when they're talking and stuff but when there's stuff going down towards the end and there's a lot of them running through tunnels and things like that and they're just yelling what's happening like i just kind of get like I don't, I don't know which one's which for the most part as, as things are happening Mm -hmm. um and i i agree the pacing and like i do feel a b the length a bit towards the end i think the final kind of like section with the alien towards the end of the movie is kind of one too many but i do think the one that's added in for the assembly cut is actually one of the most interesting parts of the movie so i, I you know i, yeah, I think totally. it's be better with that in it but it it does I think that last chunk is, is kind of murky and just like a hodgepodge of people running through cars. Like, Because one of the things I like about that middle section that's added in the assembly cut is that the characters have to come up with a plan and they have to come up with a plan to deal with the alien when they have no tools or weapons that they can that, really actually. use. Yeah, I love that it, because it's a prison colony, they don't have weapons, <laughs> they don't have guns, even though it's maximum security by maximum security they're on a planet that's isolated from other humans they can harm yeah but because of that it, the plan is kind of simple and you can understand what they're trying to do at all times there's a clear goal in mind and we'll get into what those what all those things are in spoilers mm -hmm. i think the plan later on in the film where the sort of the final plan if you will is a lot more convoluted and i never quite really understood what each character's role in the plan necessarily was there's just a lot of running in and out of corridors and ultimately i mean i know what the end goal of the plan is i understood what the, the final point of the plan was but ultimately a lot of the build up to it and then because there's a moment in the middle of it where things are going wrong it's like oh we have to improvise and i'm like that doesn't make a difference to me because i didn't really follow what you were doing before anyway <laughs> so yeah, i understand what you mean uh, and i think part part of it is just the plan's a bit 
not clearly defined for us. And also, I think part of it is that it's a lot of very similar-looking bald dudes <laughs> running around in the dark. <laughs> so it's, it's hard to keep track of who's who. Uh, I, I like the setup of Ripley always being in danger. Like, even when she doesn't know there's a xenomorph around, because she happens to land on a, a colony that is it's just male prisoners that are there to be separated from the rest of humanity because they're dangerous. She's uh, <laughs> now like the target of all of them and the big gossip and, um, you know, the the threat is still very real for her. Do you know what I kind of like about that, actually, is that she doesn't actually give that much of a shit. And obviously there's some moments where she does get into danger and the other characters that are sort of warning her and are concerned about the fact that she's there they have legitimate reasons for being concerned. Like, she's surrounded by murderers and rapists who are all here for a reason. And they've not seen a woman in years, right? So so there's a lot of reasons to be concerned. But I kind of like that after the experience of Alien and Aliens, like, her response to being told any of this early on in the film is just, like, so effort. I'm Ellen F. and Ripley. (laughs) Yeah, there's a great line where one of them threatens to, like, bash her brains in or something, and she's like, please, like, that. then I won't have to worry about anything anymore. Just a quick death would be great. Yeah, so I kind of like her attitude and and response to all of that stuff. It was kind of a... Yeah, plus there's a little bit of her trying to prove herself to them, much like in Aliens, where she has to, like, you know, drive the... The, the big yellow thing um and you know move the whatever it is to the other thing oh, I don't the, know. the power loader okay. power loader yeah <laughs> bay 12 please yes bay 12 <laughs> <laughs> thank you i knew i could count on you it took a little while but <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to bother, but then you struggled with the second thing. I'm like, okay, like, I'll just a little, a little step in. You just got to roll through it. Like, nothing nothing mattered. It's fine. Just, yeah. Know, just got to roll with it. Yeah, so... But, you know, in this movie, she still has to, like, sort of uh, prove herself that she's not there just to be um, rescued. <laughs> like, she's actually capable and probably just as tough and hardcore as any of these guys think they are especially when it comes to like facing off against a xenomorph yeah i mean i don't know if i can view that last part necessarily because i don't think these characters ever really present themselves as like thinking they're i mean obviously they probably do think they're tough but i don't think the movie takes that tactic with them if anything they're like Mo- like some of them are just scared that she's there to begin with, right? Some of them are sort of like ready to like like try something, but a well, lot of they them sort of have like a like this community built up around um yeah the, the being fo- restrained from things yeah and the found god and the, like one of the, you know the the like the, the leader of the, the group not the, not the the warden but the but the, the you know not Morpheus um mm-hmm. he. <laughs> he's like the guy who prays he's the one who kind of like keeps an eye on the rest of them all that kind of stuff but i never get the impression because i think the dynamic between her and the prisoners is quite interesting at times because i don't get like you said she has to prove herself kind of like with the the marines in the last movie and i don't get the same vibe at all with this 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 setup because these characters for one like i don't think she necessarily like wants the respect because i mean that's the for most of them it's probably unattainable anyway because of just how they view the world and how they view people so there's no point in trying uh 
and i think this is a ripley who is like i'm just so sick of this shit like why do i keep getting into these situations like this is like whatever and i i think yeah. th- that attitude and the fact that she isn't kind of like trying to and she doesn't just she, she just doesn't give a shit about them by and large other than obviously um the villain from last action hero uh, charles dance who is the sort of the, the medical guy and he's like being nice to her and um and you know they're, they're kind of like almost romantic connection that, that never really sits with me when i watch this movie that it feels a little bit just kind of weird and i i've always liked it it, it just yeah well we'll talk about when we get to spoilers yeah. more but I've, I've actually always liked that part of it yeah so I, I do appreciate some of the uniqueness of it. I, I do. Uh, but ultimately, the the alien interaction with people, meaning, like, you know, the the, the amount of practical alien stuff is much less than before. Uh, and the interactions with people kind of suffer as a result of that. So the alien parts aren't as good, by and large, to either of the previous films. Um, the characters are not as likable as the previous two films. Uh, the location, whilst I think does a good job of being visually good in that sort of David Fincher way. Who, by the way, directed this, yeah. Who did direct it, but disowned <laughs> it and has never uh, wanted to claim it. He, he did not do the assembly cut that this was made by others who were involved because he didn't want to come back and even do it because he, he despises his time with it. Yeah. But... All, 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 yeah, what was I saying? Yeah, so, so the visual style is, is dark and it's got that David Fincher thing and it's it's got like some interesting music which is very different again i don't know if it's a tone that i wanted from the next alien movie but i can't deny that when i'm watching it that i kind of like the mood that it's given me at points but there are times when it feels a bit of a slog and obviously then you get to the the problem which we've sort of ignored intentionally up until now which is the oh yeah it kind of just shits all over the ending of the last film and it, it you know it starts the movie with doing a very sequely thing that's like pisses you off and a lot of sequels do this where in the first couple of minutes and sometimes you'll get a few scenes with a character from the previous film but they'll come back just to be killed off in like one scene or whatever and it's always annoying it feel you can you can feel the wires behind the, the camera working it's like no they didn't want to come back we have to write them out so we, we paid them enough to come in for like two days so we could shoot this quick little bit to explain why they're gone and it's always infuriating because it just feels like a slap in the face as the audience. And I'm not saying I necessarily blame the actor. In this case, I don't think it was the actors necessarily. I think this was just, this is the direction for whatever reason they wanted to go in. But um, it's always annoying. So this is, and I think this might be the biggest, most famous example in nerddom and pop culture of like the movie that completely just shits all over the previous one at the, right at the start by just killing off the other survivors of aliens which uh which sucks i do i do enjoy that every movie in this quadrilogy kind of has a different tone to it sure <laughs> i mean you know since we're watching this you know looking back on the films although i i don't think i saw this one in theater i definitely remember seeing the fourth one in the theater um so at least it has something kind of unique that way like we have the consistency of sigourney weaver there but each film there's a progress of her character and it's done like a almost like an anthology in some case because you, you just get very different tones and directors for each one yeah and the sad part is is that on paper david fincher is the third director sounds really good like you know like, if you, like yeah you got ridley scott james cameron and 
David Fincher sounds like the sort of guy that could be the third one. And mm-hmm. you can see glimpses of it when you're watching the movie, but obviously between like his like time on set, studio interference, uh, like obviously the, the theatrical cut is a sort of chopped up mess, so it, it is a, a kind of a messy movie in its original form. Mm-hmm. Like when you add all that up, obviously it ends up being this thing that's not. I mean, you may like it more than most, but most people aren't as keen on it, and it's a shame because you look at it on paper, you see David Fincher as the third director, and you go. You know what? That's a pretty good. And obviously, yes, it was David Fincher before we all knew David Fincher because this was his first movie. But and you can tell there's like talent behind the screen. Oh, for sure. When you watch it, like some of the scenes that are that are shot are are, are very Fincher. You can you can see the building blocks. Oh, you, you you can see some seven in this. Like see like just like yeah. shots of like water dripping in like dark like corners. Like that's like a very you know David Fincher seven uh, yeah. sort of moment. And you can see a lot of that in this. Uh, so yeah visually it is a very nice looking film um but it's obviously like the the tone is this sort of like depressing like we're in a prison (laughs) ripley's in a prison under a constant threat of possible rape and it it only goes more miserable from there i don't want to spoil anything but it only gets more miserable from there in a lot of ways so yeah it's and there's actually a, a very theme. nihilistic film yeah there's, there's, a, there's some <laughs> themes in this that i can't talk about until we get spoilers but i i was thinking about them a lot in this viewing and sort of mm-hmm. try to give my you know just sort of sparse my thoughts on them so i'd have like a, a different angle to talk about before we do go into some other things i wanted to just sort of bring up a little bit of trivia and i know i mentioned this like back when i reviewed this with connor way way back i know i brought this up but this is just such an interesting factoid is that the original script or the original concept for Alien 3 uh, it was written that they were on a wooden planet because um, if you watch the, the big documentary about it like on the on the box set or whatever uh, they talk about how it was a wooden planet and there was even like, the concept art of like you know like, the idea being like, you, like, a, like one of the prisoners could stick their head out of the top of this wooden structure and they'd basically be like in the upper atmosphere kind of thing like it would be like this and it sounds like absurd and obviously they scrapped it because this sounds like how do you shoot this this is like how what, what does this look like this is insane mm-hmm. uh so i mean maybe today with how much cg we've got now maybe you could do it but <laughs> in 1992 i'm not sure what the, the strategy <laughs> for this would be that concept seems kind of cool i mean it i don't know why i'm getting water world vibes from it where <laughs> they they have to be on wood or else they'll they'll die but um yeah i could understand I, I don't understand what the significance for it like i understand the significance of a planet that's just being mined and oil drilled for resources like so much so that all the oceans they have are just full of oil they don't care about like the environmental impact of mm. it they're just you know mining and taking all the <clears throat> that sweet sweet black gold because you know they've got giant rigs in space and stuff yeah, uh, although the prisoners don't seem to be doing too much with that themselves, they t- they're in a lead works specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, it's a lot of industrial stuff. It's a lot of industrial stale art, and it does look kind of cool. Like, and you get a better look at it in this cut because uh, in the uh, theatrical cut, it starts a little bit differently, where they just find Ripley in kind of the crash ship, whereas in the assembly cut, Charles Dance's character is like out walking. Uh, on patrol and he sort of sees her lying there and she's covered in like dirt and soot and ash and whatever and uh so we get this great 
we get this great visual of him running across like back to like the the prison outside carrying her and it is, you know, he's got he's got this trench coat on so it's kind of like flown like a cape almost uh, right yeah but everything's really dark and muddy and gray and like it, you know it's just not that type of visual you'd normally imagine when someone's running from the beach <laughs> like and, and like a nice big white panoramic shot it's right yeah. very different so uh you really get this oppressive kind of feeling to the, the, the place the entire time everything everything about the movie feels oppressive <laughs> yeah it's hard to tell how long she's really been there too because like the crash happened and she looks near death and, but she's all washed up on the shore and she's covered in like ocean garbage and mm. insects and stuff like that too. It's hard to get a, a, a sense of how long she's been there because no one seemed to notice the the crash. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which would... Pres- I mean, it doesn't sound like they spend a lot of time outside, especially because they said like once the sun goes down, it gets too cold so they like they can't go out for days because like, the sun stays down for like three days mm-hmm. or something like that, they said. Um, so... You know, I mean, when they say days, I don't know if they mean days on this planet or just like Earth days, and that's how they still measure time. Mm, possibly, yeah. I think for the sake of the human sleep cycle, you might still just go by Earth days because you understand, well, yeah, yeah <laughs> like how you fit into that. That would be a tough circadian rhythm to get into. Oh yeah, imagine you have to get used to like, you know, a day that lasts like three days like an earth time so you'd be like oh shit you'd have to hibernate <laughs> for three days also yeah. do, do i sleep for like 40 hours and then stay awake for 60 is that how this works now you'd be so hungry when you wake up oh god yeah uh so yeah it's a, those little details are cool and obviously this is a place that's actually owned by will and jutani so you still have that idea the evil company is still going to have a you still see the symbol everywhere yeah. like all the uniforms and stuff actually weird little thing and i noticed this the last time i saw it as well but like it, i think i noticed another detail of it this time is it's quite late on in the film it's before their kind of their final plan but like one of the guys is like the second in command to the warden because he's this is a kind of a he's kind of like a spineless guy who's just always agreeing with the warden and mm-hmm. uh later on in the film he's like just casually drinking what's cool he's hiding it with his hand like the logo but he's clearly drinking a glass bottle of coke and what stuck out to me this time watching it is that there's a moment where you can see like a sort of like uh you know like 12 of them like on the floor like next to a preacher guy's feet right when he's making his speech and i'm like this is so weird to have like this product like in this like prison (laughs) i didn't even notice it plus i imagine it's just some sort of product placement they had to get in somehow well like i said i think he's, he's hiding the logo with his hand but if you know you know it's, it's clear what yeah. it is uh so um yeah I, I guess it's true now that i've brought it up I'll, I'll i'm going to go and try and find this moment i thought i saw like a stack of them on the ground and <laughs> i'll see if it's like like blank or if there's you can still make out the logo a little bit i did see on the warden's desk he's got one of those those uh bird drinking water things that just you know like one of those executive mm. desk toys like well, I'm glad that thing made it <laughs> to the future. <laughs> oh, it's, just, it's the same in um, because isn't in aliens? Isn't there a moment where uh, what, what do you even call them? But it's like it's the row of balls and you swing the ones oh, at the yeah, end. Yeah, the kinetic energy balls. Yeah, I think <laughs> maybe it's the start of alien on the ship. But I'm pretty sure in one of the first two alien movies, you see one of them. Maybe like, it's just an homage to that. But they're gonna have the yeah. bird that that drinks water back and forth. Which I always associate with The Simpsons. Because <laughs> we associate these things with the 80s and early 90s, right? These yeah. objects. So it's, 
which makes sense because that's when they were made but it's just kind of funny that <laughs> uh now they feel really old school but but know. they'll make it in a couple of centuries <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah of course they'll uh, come back absolutely why wouldn't they be uh mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, obviously Sigourney Weaver's here, and she's she's Ripley again. We've kind of talked about her character in this in this oppressive environment. Uh, we mentioned Charles Dance. Uh, there's actually a character named Gollick who is basically only in the assembly cut. Now he is technically in the theatrical cut if you really pay attention for him, but all of his lines, all of his moments, and all of his plot are all cut out <laughs> of the theatrical cut. Yeah, that would be very confusing then as to yeah. what happens next. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, because it's not even just like the big stuff that happens with them in the middle of the movie. The like even the first time there's like characters talking about him and like the preacher guy saying, "No, no, trust God. Like he's one of us. You have to like treat him with respect, even though he's a bit cookie." Uh, mm-hmm. Like even that's not in the theatrical cut because they they knew they took the rest of it out. So why would we have the setup for him in there yeah. as well? So all of it's yeah. gone. Uh, it's it's. It's one of the biggest kind of like separate subplots I've seen. That's not the only one. I've definitely seen the other similar size ones, but it's definitely one of the bigger subplots I can think of in a movie where if you watch the, the longer cut, you're like, wait a minute, this is, you know, very different. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's not even just that there's that stuff I did in. Like I said, there's alternate things. And, you know, there's, there's scenes where there's, there's an alternative scene. And like I said, the, the chestburster and where the alien comes from is a different animal depending on which cut it is so there's just straight up different scenes uh right. in either one so uh that's super super interesting but yeah the actor who plays garlic uh i think was a doctor who at one point oh yeah yeah uh what's his name here uh paul mcgann i think uh, yeah oh i say he's a doctor who. something like that i wouldn't know i mean clearly i i don't know that well myself but uh yeah uh, there were a lot of Brits in the in this prison, though. Oh, he was in Doctor Who the movie. There you go. He played a doctor. I think he, yeah, I think he was the doctor in the Doctor Who movie. So, full spoilers then for Alien Three. From this point on, you have been warned. Uh, there, there's some different topics to kind of tackle here. Uh, I, I think the the first thing I, I'd I'd want to talk about is. Because it was the thing that was on my mind as I was watching it this time, um, is this one definitely leans into the, the the mother and reproductive kind of side of things a little bit, but obviously it does it in a very different lens, and mm-hmm. maybe maybe I'm reaching here, but I I, I definitely got because obviously Ripley the big thing in this movie is that halfway through the film she discovers that she has an alien inside her. She she was impregnated with a chestburster, um, while she was asleep. And it is a queen that she's got inside of her. So a big part of this movie is that she knows that she's going to die uh, one way or the other at the end of the story. And mm-hmm. she wants the others to kill her. She wants to die. And, you know, the religious guy refuses to do it uh, for, for as long as he can. And what I was kind of getting from this, and the, the company's on the way. We know the rescue ship's coming. And Willie and Tanya are like, don't kill the monster do not harm Ripley. We want them alive. We want to take them in. Because that's been their goal the whole time is to take in the alien, take in the samples and mm-hmm. try and train it or something. Because, uh, you know, evil company. But, it's always about war and weapons. But what what I couldn't escape watching it this time is the idea that she 
wants to make sure these aliens don't exist because they're dangerous. She wants to make sure this one inside of her doesn't exist because it's dangerous. And this company saying, no, we want it. And, we're going, and they're going to try and stop her at all costs from doing it. As I really got a lot of, like, like uh, pro-choice and, like, abortion yeah. kind of allegories <laughs> with this. <laughs> yeah, I see where you're headed here. Yeah, it, it just, it really felt like, you know, they want to, they, they deem what she has inside of her as their property, as something mm-hmm. that belongs to them. And she, you know, this was obviously not, but, like, this was not a consensual you know pregnation this was something that was she even says so she was violated chooses that word and this is you know it's, this, is, this is like having like being pregnant after a rape and she doesn't you know she wants to abort in this case it also means killing herself because that's just because that's how the alien works yeah. but uh but that's kind of what it means and it, i was i was thinking about it watching it this time and i was like yeah there's some interesting stuff in here about you know her her death at the end of the movie is kind of like it's a victim even though it's a death like she, she she's basically taking control of her own body and saying no i get to do this i get to win this is me this is my choice um and yeah. i i think that's why that we have to because there's a difference at the end as well because in the theatrical cut as she's jumping into the you know she's she's doing the terminator 2 into the <laughs> into the 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 molten uh the lava. It's it's. Uh, it's I lava. think she dies into uh, a, f- a furnace. So yes, yeah, but... a furnace. Yeah, uh, but she she goes down and she's her arms out. All which, by the way, the effect of her going down looks really bad. It looks bad. Yeah, it's a really bad composite. But she she's going but down. I like the moment. <laughs> into into the the clouds above the furnace, and she disappears into them. And the theatrical cut, the chestburster happens on the way down, so you get this sort of dramatic last mm-hmm. thing. And I remember that, yeah. And I, I understand why why you te- you're tempted to do that because it's like, oh, this confirms that she's done this just in time, so it adds that ticking time bomb thing to her like sacrifice, and she gets to almost look at the thing in the angle of the eye when f you you're about to die <laughs> right so I I, I, I I like that it doesn't happen in this yeah version, yeah I, but I'm saying that I understand why they they did that in the theatrical cut but I, what yeah. i think the assembly cut does is that by it never coming out in the first place it's like it's more of a victory because it never even gets to be born like she she got her way she got to yeah it doesn't kill her first also yeah um it's, it's and, yeah, you're, yeah it works well with the theme that you're describing of like no she was just she, she she's more of a winner in this case and she got to to make her decision, even though all the men told her not to. Yeah, <laughs> even the 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 better I wouldn't say good men necessarily, but the better men <laughs> were, right. were you know trying to tell her not to do it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I I think you might be onto something with this because the thought definitely crossed my mind watching it. But also, I know that uh, Sigourney Weaver had a baby like just a couple of years before this too so it's probably oh. like kind of fresh in her mind also and she wants to make because i don't think she wanted to come back for any sequels after after the second one i um, mean i remember she have like a famous like quote saying that she'll only come back if she like has sex with the creature or <laughs> something well, else, or, just, or if I, she dies i was just about to bring this up uh james cameron said uh when he was getting her to come back for aliens she said i i want to either i want to die and have sex with the alien and uh, because i remember in the commentary he sort of jokes and she got to do that over the next two films <laughs> like yeah. the next two let her do that um 
so yeah, the, yeah it's a really weird famous quote and the sex one is really weird and it's kind of the worst thing about alien resurrection more than that next year but um <laughs> dying though does make sense like her, her like the ending of this does kind of work i would still rather newton hicks got to survive though like, even if ripley has to like make her big sacrifice and like that's her mm-hmm. sort of her victory like hicks and you can can live somewhere else or, or even you know get bishop's like head and stick it on a stick and like have him be okay <laughs> well i am kind of glad that the uh that newt didn't have to end up on this prison planet full of rapists <laughs> Oh, oh, sure, yeah. If they're still coming to this planet, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. I like the idea that, you know, she has a different type of w- survival method on this planet that wouldn't have worked if she had to have this family unit also. Oh, for sure, yeah. Because she's got to go to some dark places, too. Yeah, obviously, like I said, like, this is a movie where she's surrounded by these types of characters. She feels no hope. The company's coming for her. She's got an alien inside of her. And on top of that, she has to just deal with the fact that there's an alien running around again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, this is the third time she's had to put up with this shit. So all, all of this is just morbid and depressing. And there's no weapons. There's no <laughs> weapons. Yeah, because that's the thing. When she asks, like, you know, what weapons do you have? And the warden explains, no, we have nothing. For these reasons, do we have nothing? And she's like, well, we're F then. <laughs> it is like a very industrial place, though. You think you would come up with some things. Like, I don't know. I mean... The, like eventually she pulls like a pipe off and I'm like okay there like there's a bat yeah i i do i do like uh, there's a, a line where they're, to- they're talking about flashlights and it's like yeah we got flashlights but we don't have any batteries it's like what about torches fire humans have had that privilege since the stone age can we do that <laughs> and sure enough that becomes a big thing is that they, they, okay we do actually have flammable like material yeah. we can we can do we could do a lot of fire fire is pretty easy so right uh sure enough that becomes a big part of the plan but uh yeah so but it's it's not a very you know the like aliens will constantly be under threat and tense and doing all these other things like it does have very likable characters you're rooting for and want to survive mm-hmm. and this movie by its contrast like there's like almost no characters like i necessarily care about surviving I, I'm not, and i'm not saying i hate the characters i'm just saying that i don't i don't root for them like i do a hicks or a hudson or vasquez or no i mean even the ones that you do think okay well this person seems like they're not all bad or like maybe there was some sort of redemption for them mm. that was off screen during their time in prison but you know even when she's like like i can trust you right and they they're immediately like no don't trust us we're awful people <laughs> <laughs> yeah and charles dance is kind of a, an interesting character in this because he like I, I don't necessarily buy the the romance part too much it kind of felt just i don't know like i i get that she is kind of in a weird place and she's also partly kind of like makes her move because he's asking questions about like why she was looking at newt's body and she's yeah. kind of like I'll distract them with sex. That's how that's how we'll get around this. You can't always be having sex though, so Yes. Okay, there, see, I mean, there is a time where he'll be like, So now that we're not doing it, uh <laughs> you wanna talk about this? <laughs> Don't think I didn't notice. <laughs> yes. I mean I accepted the sex because I mean of course I'm going to accept it, but I'm going to ask <laughs> after. <laughs> yeah. I, I I like that they have something of a romance just because 
first of all, I want something nice for Ripley. And she does seem to like this guy. And he's like, you know, they both talk about how they've been in space for a long time and they haven't had any kind of like physical contact with somebody, you know, somebody it's just somebody to make them feel like normal for 20 minutes or however long it takes for them, you know? And so it's nice I, I that know, she was it, able to have that. It's been a long time. I'm going to guess we'll say five. <laughs> well, there's some snuggling, you know? <laughs> Charles Dance has not been touched in a long time. I'm not going to make any yeah, assumptions he's a, here. He's a gentleman though. So I think uh, it's a, it's a nice moment, I think, for for both of them, um, just because it seems like it's uh, they're also against the rules, and they both just want to have some kind of physical contact. Also, like, there is a survival aspect to for for Ripley to have somebody by her side that kind of has some power. Maybe not over other people there, but like Charles Dance is a bit more of a respectable person there, even amongst their community. So if she's partnered with him, maybe it's more of a survival thing for Ripley. Like she can make the two weeks until she gets rescued. Yeah, okay. Uh, I wasn't really thinking about it that way. And maybe it's just because I know that like it's not going to be two weeks and i know that it's all you know like because halfway through the movie it's like oh no she's going to be dead at the end of this no matter what so i, I guess i wasn't thinking about that and i think that's partly why the charles dance thing feels a bit weird to me because he has kind of a shock death like quite early on it's, it's like about a third yeah. of the movie in when he dies and it's right after he opens up and admits that he used to be a prisoner as well like he, he has a doctor you know, that's true that he and he is employed there but he actually did come here as a prisoner first because he got intoxicated and he made some mistakes as a doctor i uh, got some people killed as a result and that's kind of what he was you know paying his debt off for and uh he didn't really want to go back to the main world so he stayed here when everyone else did because they mentioned at one point in the lore that this is like a it was going to be shut down but the prisoners wanted to stay which is why they're not all just kept in cells like a traditional prison they're kind of they're accepted as a prison they colony it's like yeah, yeah this uh community that they've built up or set around it's almost like a cult or something and plus they, yeah. they're, they're rejects they're not going to be able to go back home and then just stay you know they'll probably have to still be in prison just home but at least here they can make a little community yeah and they so, have their own version of like god and you know they still use the cross and stuff but it it is a different type of religion like their their, their prayers are strange yeah um so because charles dance does die like a third of the movie it does kind of feel like a weird thing where it almost feels like it's rushing to try and get me to really care and like get me to react as if it is a shock that he's been killed so early but i think what it actually does is the opposite where i kind of feel like oh no this was just like a tactic to try and make this matter when it happens so early um as opposed to say because let's say hicks did stick around right and then he died a third day of the movie that'd be a bigger like shock because it's like oh he's one of the survivors from the last movie and he's like so we've already like sort of attached to him whereas with this it's kind of like oh it almost feels like there was more of a story to play out between them that never got to happen because he died so early yeah uh, so i i i both i actually do like it though because i think it's like we don't need to have another hicks because they oh, already sure. had that yeah. that that film and she already has that journey with somebody like she truly has chemistry with over the film um and by the end of it, they have this little family unit. 
But in this movie, like this one seems like survival. Maybe it's just, you know, my female brain looking at it like this is a good tactic if there's a lot of men around. It's like, okay, well, this one's mine. So now like I'm hands off. <laughs> so when he's gone almost instantly after, it's like, oh, well, she doesn't have that protection anymore. So she's more vulnerable again. Yeah, I, I think the contrast she's talked about there is interesting is that Hicks was like a healthy attraction which felt like a very genuine place and then what you say it became kind of a family unit where you could imagine them in your head going off and like okay they're, they're going to actually be a couple and they're going to adopt new and they're going to be this actual family at some point like like hex was the husband material charles dance here is like well everything's screwed up he's some form of comfort i can take now but he was he's not husband material and he's, he's never going to be basically uh and yeah, there's an interesting contrast between them there. And I, I do agree that, it, it, like, it, it's, there should have been no attempt to replace the characters that were in the second or, or first movie. And if nothing else, I'll say this, it doesn't try to recreate anyone, really, from those movies. It would have mm -hmm. been so easy. Like, how many other movies and franchises, like, after you do Aliens, would have, oh, this is clearly the Burke. You know, this is clearly the company man. And this doesn't have that. It, you know, it, like... Golic might be the closest in a sense because he's the one that ultimately works against everyone else, but it's a very different type of character and doing it yeah. for very different reasons. And that character I do think is very interesting. The, the idea that there's a character who is, you know, he's crazy, but the idea that he sees alien, the alien and he like wants to worship it because it's the, to him it's this god. It's, he calls it a dragon. He's like, this is, he thinks he's impressed by it. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's this thing that, you know, instills fear into all the people who, you know, bully him around. So I, I can see that. Also, just like the the weird prayer sessions they have in the earlier in the film of like calling out to, calling out to God and waiting for God to come to them, to return to them. Like, and for him, because he's not all there, you know, to be like, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what we've been praying for. Mm. This is our answer. And to, Yeah. And plus, I, I just, I love, I, yeah, I, you know why I love the practicality of, like, a team of characters coming up with a plan and executing that plan when, you know, based on the rules that are presented to them. And it's like, okay, we don't have weapons, but we do have fire. We can, and we have this, uh, you know, room. It's like a toxic, like, dump, kind of, like, with big blast doors, and there's only one entrance, and that's where they're going to lock him in. Um, now... I'm assuming that they used all their supplies to like do all the fire stuff, and that's why they couldn't just do it again. Because it did occur to me, like, can't you just lure them back in there? Because <laughs> maybe you'd be smart enough to not go in because you've already tricked them once. Because we, we know they're quite yeah. smart, the aliens. But like, why aren't you trying to do that again? But you know, they used a lot because they had to paint a lot of like hallways and stuff with this like flammable oil or whatever. So maybe they just ran out of their shit to to do that with. But I do love that they win. They trap the alien and in the assembly cut. This is not in the theatrical. All of this mm -hmm. is not in the theatrical cut. And some of the fire stuff is, which is, and that's some of the stuff that just feels like, why is this happening in the theatrical cut? It's just kind I of what it's because they put so much money into it to making the big fireball. I think it's also because like they needed something in, like an action scene in the middle. So it was like, oh, we'll, we'll chop it up and use parts of it just so there's a little bit of something. Yeah, I guess maybe you could think, well, you know, they're working on like heavy metals and stuff. There's probably a lot of flammable stuff around. Yeah. Like maybe the maybe these pipes that they're in now used to have like oil in them running through them or something. 
because in the in the in the cut you still get the guy who dro- who gets killed by the the xenomorph and his little igniter thing falls and you know it's, they're not ready for it yet so yeah. <laughs> the big fire happens um too soon but there's no so, reason for why the all the floors are flammable and it, it cuts out i'm sure it cuts out like you know the guy saying we're not ready yet because in the theatrical cut you don't know there was a plan because mm-hmm. they're not doing anything <laughs> like that so yeah it's, it's actually really funny if you if you look up um because I, I was i was i was double checking like some of the differences before we recorded and mm-hmm. there's a website uh moviecentorship.com and if you go to like alien 3 like it literally gives you like every difference like it gives you the timestamps and says here and what's interesting is this part here particularly like when they're setting up things up like that's like really hit and miss where there's like, like 10 seconds here taking 10 seconds there doing all the setup. but there was a lot of bits in between that were still in the theatrical cut just kind of chopped up but see wants to capture the alien and they actually so this from the, the scene where they actually lock the door and the alien's been lured in there from there until Golic lets it out and they realize it's let out that's like a seven minute chunk in, in its entirety that's not in the theatrical cut uh, mm-hmm. which is a really big continuous chunk in one swoop to just be missing uh, but I, I love that you just have this guy who worships the alien who lets him out and then yeah. goes in and it's, it's not like he's expecting the alien to thank him like i think when he walks in like he's bracing he knows it's like he's a about, noble sacrifice yeah, for him. yeah. He, he knows he's going to die he's like yes my god you may take me i give myself to you kind of thing yeah, like his apology because he, he instantly murders the guy who's on watch. And uh, it's a good gore, like, throat-cutting scene also. Yeah, And he's yeah. like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but, like, this is for the greater good. <laughs> yeah, and that's the other thing. So, like, earlier on when Charles Dance dies, they're in the medical bay. And at this point, Golic is already... Because, because when a couple of the guys get killed, they don't know if it's a monster or if, or if it was Golic who just murdered them. So they've got him tied to the bed in the sick bay. They couldn't let him wash his face first. <laughs> I know, he's covered in blood. Because, uh, yeah, actually, that's the thing. Like, when he's, like, in awe of the alien, the alien's, like, picked a guy up off the floor, and he sort of snaps the head back, and it sort of flicks blood onto Golic's face. It's a really nice little moment. But it's, it's probably, yeah. in terms of the alien being on screen, it's one of the best moments, probably, in the mm-hmm. movie with the alien on the screen. But, uh, yeah, so he's in sick me. So just to talk about the differences again, uh, the scene where Charles Dance gets killed... Uh, very suddenly you know, he gets picked up in the shower curtain and then you get the famous moment where the alien comes up to ripley but doesn't kill her and obviously that's the sort of the suspicion it's like oh she's got one inside of her and that's why he's not killing her but during this whole scene and the assembly cut every so often it cuts back to Gallic like muttering like religious things or talking mm-hmm. about the dragon it's you know it's every so often it cuts back to him and all of those are not in the theatrical cut so again if you look at the list of all the differences on this website it's all these yeah. little three second chunks just like i was i was gonna glance at the trivia before uh we started recording but this is probably the most trivia i've ever seen on any film on imdb <laughs> yeah it's dense <laughs> super <laughs> like, dense i think i got through like the first maybe 40 things and i'm like oh wow i've barely scratched the surface <laughs> yeah I'm good yeah I, i'm still meaning to watch the, the full uncut making of because the when they released the quadrilogy dvd box set um all all four movies got like big three hour multi-chaptered 
really in depth like some of the best making of stuff for movies i've ever seen like I, the one the first two movies like their documentaries i've watched a few times because they're just so good like they're they're, mm-hmm. they're fascinating to watch like hearing what alien was like before it got you know spruced up by other script writers when it was like all the weird sci-fi names and things like that really fascinating uh but alien 3 because fox at the time were like oh we don't like all this negativity about like that them talking about how we were treating david fincher they made them kind of chop up a little bit uh but they later maybe because it was new management or whatever i don't know but when the blu-rays were coming out they restored it and it, it was it's uncut so it's, it's like maybe like 30 to 40 minutes longer in total this big and it was already like a good two and a half hours so it's now it's like mm-hmm. over three hours of making of and it's the full original version i've never went back and watched that full version of the alien 3 documentary so i, I should at some point because i'm sure it's I, I bet it's it's fascinating like i think yeah. it's fincher's first film it is, yeah. So even for for his, you know, what he had to go through and listening to the what other people think of this director who they didn't like, but ended up becoming one of the, you know, most famous working directors today. And he made films with Fox later. Like uh, he did Fight Club with Fox, you know, less than a decade later. So, yeah, it's, it's not like he was gone from Fox forever, but um, it, it's just, it's, yeah, it's fascinating. But uh uh, so... Man, I wish I could see that director's cut, though. <laughs> Just or, or, like I wish he, I wish he could have made the movie he wanted to make. Because even that, I did see in the trivia that scene where you know the alien comes up to Ripley. Mm. Um, you know, it's probably the most iconic shot of the film. Um, is was something he had to sneak. He and and uh, Sigourney Weaver had to like <laughs> had to be sneaky and to, to film it because producers wouldn't let him do it for some reason. Yeah, that's that's the weird thing is that even the assembly cut is not a director's cut, and not just because he didn't come back to supervise the edit or anything like that. Like, you know, even the the assembly cut is much better than the theatrical cut, but it's still like he was having trouble on set. He, you know, like you say, he's been he's been told he's not allowed to shoot certain things. So it is kind of fascinating to wonder just how much more different would it be again you know, if it was his true vision from the get go. Right. At least. Before he dies, I want him to make a commentary for it, at least. Oh, I, I don't think he will. I don't think he wants to talk about it. Like, Come on. He, Come on, Fincher. We all want to see it. If I, I, I think he might have wanted to Alan Smithy this, but he, 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 he ultimately wasn't allowed to. But he tried to. Uh, you can't have a, have a big production like this with Alan Smithy's name on it. Yeah. Well, that stopped happening because people sort of learned what it was. Because Alan Smithy, for those of you who don't know, there was a time when if a director wanted to disown a film, they would basically say, I don't want my name on it. So they would credit Alan Smithy as the director. As a, as a made up person. It's like, it basically means the director is not proud of this. And not necessarily because they were bad. Maybe they blamed the studio for interference. Uh, you know, uh, and that's open for debate. I and, guess that would mean they wouldn't make any profit off of it also though, right? Uh, well, I don't know. Like they I mean, probably got paid for the work they did, but any additional profits from the film wouldn't go to the director if they weren't actually credited anymore. Well, yeah, but uh, the, you say that as if directors always have back end deals where they get a percentage. That's actually only some of the time. Uh, I I suspect more often than not. I mean, maybe maybe it's more common now, but I mean, certainly bigger directors who will basically be able to sell movies on their name. Like, I'm sure, like, Nolan seems like a guy, for example, who probably gets a back-end percentage, but um, I d- what, what I'm saying is, is I don't think David Fincher was getting a back-end for his first movie <laughs> in 1992. Maybe he does now, but... Okay, I mean, I just assume that it, that 
that did happen to no any, to people who are you know major parts of the anybody if the movie wins best picture anybody who goes on stage to collect <laughs> the best picture oscar <laughs> or to thank everybody um would be getting some sort of back end uh not always i think you'd be surprised uh okay how often that's not the case but uh, obviously there's big, you know that some actors get back end deals you know some of the big stars are able to negotiate that and they won't even sign on for a movie unless they get a back end uh deal and which yeah. you know that's, well, that's whatever heard you all know. about it during the pan- pandemic so yeah <laughs> uh of course yeah scarlett johansson's like back end deal for black widow got messy and because they didn't release it in theaters <laughs> well they did but they did yeah no, but it was just like nobody went yeah they also released it on disney plus the same day yeah well that was the big thing yeah like people had the option of just watching at home therefore she made a lot less money than she would have done uh but hey um so yeah obviously one of the other things we talked about uh i mentioned earlier on was the the different animals so in the theatrical cut it's a dog the alien comes from a dog which really means that it should be smaller so it makes more sense in the assembly cut that it's bigger than it usually is because it came from an ox (laughs) so uh, you get a completely different scene where these guys are like bringing in this ox that died obviously it died because of facehugger because they question why and we get all this dialogue with them talking about the fact that there's a woman there now and like uh, charming fellow uh, what's the the line he has Uh, treat a whore like a queen and treat a queen like a whore never fails Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't go wrong if you do that, um, but they're just they're just having this banter as um, like they're dealing with this dead ox, and of course we get a, a, a very different chestburster scene. Uh, you do see the dog at one point in this cut that was the dog in the theatrical cut uh, after it's dead, but it's, it's just like it's been killed rather than it's you know been chestburster because I think in the theatrical cut you do see it alive. You see like a, the mm-hmm. living dog first. Uh, but because uh, because it's, cause it's up in the the, the the big ventilation like fan but. yeah uh i don't really remember too much of it but i guess this is the first time that we see that the xenomorph takes different forms depending on what its host is when what it it's good we ran into this because we were doing avpr soon and that's very relevant for that that's right <laughs> and also for the prequels yeah, I don't know. For, <laughs> we're all looking forward to. No, I'm looking Man, forward. People will die on that hill for Prometheus, though. No, no I'm looking forward to Alien vs Predator Requiem because it's actually even worse than certainly. It's definitely worse than Prometheus, but, um, yeah. I mean, I I think it's just such a turd that I can just kind of whatever. But like Prometheus and Alien Covenant, it's like I actually had hope. I had hope. I like yeah, I, I didn't see anything past Prometheus and I was like this is oh, it's got all the ingredients it should work and it's just you it's have just flat. such a treat ahead of you in a couple of years <laughs> <laughs> well we've got time <laughs> oh dear unless they come up with a new alien movie in which case we're going to have to like finish them before the new one comes out but that, that will change our plan if there's going to be a new one we'll have to just get through the rest of them before the new one comes out but, I mean, I don't hate the idea of Kenny Powers versus an alien xenomorph. <laughs> I can't imagine how he fits into that universe. Mm. Yeah. So, 
yeah you got all the stuff i mean i think you know because we, we kind of bounced around different things at the start of the movie there's a lot of stuff with ripley like wanting to really know how newt died and making sure it wasn't an alien making sure it wasn't a chestburster yeah we get a pretty gruesome autopsy scene for a character that we love <laughs> yeah and some of this is not in the theatrical cut I, I i can't remember how much of it is left out but some of it is unique to this cut Mm-hmm. Uh, but she, you know, what needs to do an autopsy, and it is gruesome. You hear, like, you know, crunching, and like, because he, he takes this blade out, and then he sort of cracks open the chest for her. And yeah. Just making sure. And she's oh, not coming back, fans. She's oh, really gone. Oh, yeah, she's definitely gone. Uh, <laughs> but she she you know, has to really make sure. And then we get, like, the funeral scene where they, they throw the bodies of, of Newton Hicks into the furnace, and which obviously is important because it sets up uh, the ending. But I guess it's also kind of nice that she goes to rest in the same place as Newton Hicks. Like, it's like mm-hmm. she's getting buried with them at the end. <laughs> we yeah. get the same furnace. She has one more mission before she can join him. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that kind of sad thing, though, where you like, can Ripley have a happy end? I mean, and, and, don't worry, we said it as kind of a victory at the end because it's her own choice, and that's, that's great, but at the same time, she's had such a miserable time in the last three movies. <laughs> <laughs> Give her a win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah can't catch a break <laughs> yeah um i love the all the stuff with the, like whale and jutani like coming like this ship coming and ripley questioning like once she knows there's an alien like are they coming to kill it probably not and she questions this and she gets the uh because the warden dies like he's one of the first ones to die once they know there's an alien about so it's the spineless guy the second in command who's kind of talking to ripley a lot and he's like, yeah, this is the computer to talk back to the company. And he's like asking questions. And sure enough, they deny permission to kill the alien. Like, and obviously they're bluffing because they know they don't have any way to kill it. <laughs> but yeah, they're like, they no. just want permission to terminate. <laughs> and they say permission denied. And it's like, oh, no. And then later on, it's like, no, make sure Ripley's OK. And they show up and like, you know, I like that it's a ship. It's, it's a Laco. It's a you know, same type of ship, you know, different name, obviously, but same you know, making mm-hmm. model, if you will. And they come in and you got all these guys in hazmat suits and you've got clearly Lance Henriksen uh, with the scarf yeah. and the, the glasses. They try to hide him, but we recognize that forehead. Yeah. And he comes in and... Because we had a little debate about this when we watched Alien vs. Predator. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he claims he's not an android. Ripley assumes that he is. And he's like, no, I'm the real person. I designed him. So this is a bit of a Anian Sung thing <laughs> to reference Star Trek. Um, and it's actually because it's the spineless second in command dude who is like helping them all out. But then when it seems like it's turning kind of sour where they're not really going to give Ripley a choice, he actually does hit Lance Henriksen as if like, oh no, I'm going to help him yeah, he hits him with like a, like a pipe wrench or something. Yeah, which yeah. is how you see him bleed. And he's like, oh no, it's like it's red blood. And his ear's like hanging off also. It's pretty <laughs> gruesome. <laughs> he's like see i'm a man think of all the things we could do with that alien uh and you know she's like going out in this little platform the the, the one prisoner who's left alive because they're all dead at this point like every single one of them has died gradually one by mm-hmm. one uh the one who's left who's not the one you suspect because he's, he's kind of like the third or fourth prisoner yeah he doesn't seem like a final girl no but he actually survives. Like he's the only one who survives because he's, he's he gets shot in the leg. But after Ripley dies, you see a shot of him being escorted out in handcuffs, and he, he sort of turns around and he's like, <laughs> "Like, I, I'm glad somebody was there who who knows the truth about everything that happened. So somebody was there to mm. pass along the warning, 
So, you know, if they ever make another Alien movie, I'm sure he's going to be back. He's the new Ripley. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's Alien For Resurrection. For his expertise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's willing to help Ripley at the end, but I, I, he still doesn't strike me as someone who's going to be able to carry the, the cause on his own. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Not getting that vibe. But uh, so what did you think of seeing a human... Uh, I mean, they never actually call him Charles Wayland in this. I think I made that assumption because they call him that in uh, AVP. And in the credits, he's credited as simply Bishop 2, which is, you know... Mm, interesting. Yeah. I didn't watch the credits, so I didn't notice that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's... Uh, you want to get Lance Henriksen back since he's a name and uh, a face people love from the first movie. And we sort of get him earlier in the film, but it's a robot version of him. And, and I think it is just an animatronic face, so you just really hear his voice. This is the first time you see oh, him. Oh, yeah, because Bishop's, like, really messed up. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's only got, like, half a head. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was it was great to see him there. I think it's a neat idea uh, that he would have... Um, I mean, we've seen multiple models, because, you know, Ash was, I assume, not modeled after anybody important. <laughs> So it's a bit strange that, you know, they pulled a Noonien suit on this one. But um, at the same time, you know, I it's it's a face that we associate with the company. So it's um, it's big on on Ripley's character who distrusts, you know, the androids from the begin first film to having this trust for Bishop to having to distrust him again. <laughs> Also, it's interesting that uh, the real bishop, and by that I mean the android from Aliens, mm-hmm. also wants suicide in this. Like he's, He asked Ripley to turn them off because if he can never be back to being fully functional, he doesn't want to you know, exist. So he's like, turn yeah. me off. And she's like, you sure? He's like, yeah. So I think it's interesting that both, you know, I don't know if you could call Bishop a survivor from Aliens necessarily in the context of this movie because he's just, he is just this like hunk of junk that's turned on for like a minute. But mm-hmm. it's interesting that both him and Ripley kind of like meet the end of their story by choosing to end their life and having control over like their own fate. And mm-hmm. I think that's interesting, uh, especially since even all the prisoners in this prison, so much of their thing is about controlling where they are and what they are tempted by, and they they want to live out the rest of their lives here because it's the, where they're choosing to be. So there's a lot of you know there's a lot of like you know. The idea of free will and choice and... I mean, they all kind of accept that they're going to die. And it's just their mission now is just to make sure that nobody else dies outside by this alien surviving. Yeah, yeah. Not that they're doing it for noble reasons per se. Um, Because at one point Ripley even asks uh, the religious dude to... Like, we have to kill this thing because... Like, they're not going to kill it. They're going to try and take it and it's going to hurt a lot of people. And he's like, hey, that's their world. I don't care. Like, uh, this is mm-hmm. our world here. As long as we're okay, like, it's fine. Um, So, and when he does get railed up and he does make his big speeches later on in the film, like, oh, we're going to kill this thing. It, you know, it almost comes across more as we're not letting them have it, but we also want revenge because it's killed, like, half of our brothers at this point. So <laughs> we're, we're going to take it yeah. out. Although she does ask him at one point also to kill her and, yeah. like, is ready for death and he refuses to do it. So, I mean, as much as he doesn't want to have this, you know, noble side of him, we know it's there. Yeah, well, that's the thing. The first time she speaks to him, because he he speaks a little bit at the funeral 
Jasper uh, Newton Hicks, and she goes up to speak to him, even though, because she's all we hear from the warden is that Ripley can't intermingle. She has to be kept in the infirmary at all yes. times. She can't walk around. It's too dangerous. And then she, wa- <laughs> she walks out of the cafeteria and everyone's just like, <laughs> but she goes up to Rogerstead and he um, basically immediately says, you don't want to know me. He says he's a murderer and a rapist and makes it very clear. And this is one of the moments where Ripley kind of showing that she's not phased by it. It's like, well, I guess I make you nervous then. She sits down. <laughs> like, you know, she, she's like... Because I, I, I wonder, like, what is Ripley's reaction? Ripley and Alien before she's encountered the alien. Like, what is her reaction to this? Not that she was, like, a, you know, a girly girl. Like, you know, she, she was a trucker in space who was, like... You know, she, she always had a different vibe to her, but I have to imagine the events of the previous two films have hardened her somewhat to, like, yeah. you're just... You're just a human. Like I can take like <laughs> I can take you on. <laughs> I know what this means, yeah. Yeah. Uh but I what, what I think is interesting about that to me though, that scene is that well, he obviously he's done some bad things to get here, and maybe those things he said he was is what he did. That moment to me reads more like he's just trying to scare her away from him because he's scared of having her like influence on him. Um and rather than because 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 as the film progresses he saves her later on when there's a group of guys who are going to attack her mm-hmm. um uh, the main one of which is an actor who you might know from later things when he's a bit more round <laughs> he was in mind hunter he's been in a bunch of different things uh but uh also yeah because so right right before religious comes in and saves her right because she's getting she's about to get gang raped um mm-hmm. the one who's about to like sort of like you know, go first, as it were. He puts on goggles. Like, uh, this struck me as a really weird moment where he's like, I'm putting on my goggles! That means it's go time. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's... Maybe he doesn't know what to expect. He just won't get anything in his eye. <laughs> All right. It's, 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 it was a weird little character touch that he, that he put mm-hmm. on his, his, his Mad Max-looking goggles. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's exactly what they look like. Yeah. So... Yeah, but no, I, like I say, I, I think this throughout the film, he very much does show himself to have like more morals, like a moral center, and clearly, you know, he says it's the first time the Caesar, I'm a murderer of women, and then later on when she says, "Kill me," I'm asking you to because I have to die. Is like, no, you don't get to die until until it dies, you know, first, yeah. uh, and then when they're climbing out of the thing, because the big plan at the end is to lure the alien into where they pour the, the hot molten lead. And he stays back and sacrifices himself and like, makes her leave, even though she's been saying for like 20 minutes, I'm going to she's sacrifice going myself. She's going to die anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he has to do this big noble sacrifice thing. And, you know, maybe part of that is like, in his own mind, this is his redemption. Like this is, maybe yeah. in a way Golic was right, this is like their God coming to like get them back. But, it's not so much that he has to worship it, it's that he has to, like, give himself to, like, stop it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's this a vengeful god. Martyr. Yeah. This is his martyrdom. Well, also, he knows that the alien won't chase her because she's that, uh, got the queen inside her. So I, he, I, he knows that this is, like, his... He has to sacrifice himself in yeah, order to... No, that's true. He does technically have to be the bait because it's established at this point. But he still makes her leave. Yeah. So, like, if, if he was there with her still, then the alien would have stayed there. So he still makes a point of saying, no, you got to get out of here. 
Yeah, for sure. Because it's established at this point that Ripley, because she has an alien inside of her, there's a, there's a scene where she even goes to find the alien, and she finds the alien and just kind of stands with it. And then it cuts to like her talking to the guy afterwards, and she's like, "Yeah, I, I went and saw him. He stood right up next to me and didn't attack me. He just and then he just ran away. Like, like I'm 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 not under any threat from the monster, and." I kind of wish this was used more, because like, mechanically this is really interesting. The, the idea that mm -hmm. someone's immune from being attacked by the alien, mm -hmm. like, surely you could use that a little bit more as, as part of Don't a plan. Don't they use it in the, in the fourth film? I guess we'll find out. We'll find Yeah, I don't remember, but maybe the, I can't remember. But, like, that is interesting. I mean, well, actually, it's, it's not so much that there's an alien in Sarah, but it's because Ripley's part alien, I think, is what you're thinking of in the fourth mm -hmm. one. Where there's some mechanics where she doesn't get yeah but she's definitely well, yeah she's definitely stronger and, and more capable of things and she's a uh, there must she's already like part of but, their family or whatever yeah so. but yeah that's weirder because <laughs> it's like a sort of weird hybrid thing that that's but that's though this idea that a regular person admittedly the the, the price of it is that you're you're a, a you know a ticking time bomb because you're going to die soon but the idea that they have one person the alien will not go after, so you can sort of use them as a shield or something. Like, mm -hmm. use that. Like, think of how to use that in a plan and, like, really use it. And I wouldn't really say they do, but, but you know, by and large, like, okay, you can flip the switch. because there, there are moments where you see it, yeah, but it's, it's not like a big plot device. Well, like yeah, there's moments, there's moments where you see it, but what I'm saying is use it in the plan. Have the characters use it as part of, like, as, as a tool because that's what they've got. They don't have weapons, but they have someone the alien won't attack. That is a mechanical device that yeah. they can use, both, both the characters yeah. in the story, but also the writer as a plot device. And it doesn't really use it in either way. Really, that. what they do is that they they protect themselves by attacking Ripley or pretending that their Ripley is under stress and danger from them so that the, the xenomorph still follows them to the point where, like, it's like a standoff, you know? Like, uh, she's taken hostage by them. Although the the xenomorph doesn't really know, you know that that they're being tricked, mm. so uh, they do use it, but not in the way that you're describing. Yeah, and I don't, but I don't think like that entire scene though, where they're all running around the tunnels. Uh, at this point, you're talking about like so mm -hmm. much of it is like you know the tunnels kind of look the same. Uh, like I said, the characters are not well lit, and they're all bald, wearing the exact same clothes, so they look the same. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I did think that Pete Postlewaite died like four times. <laughs> Was that him? <laughs> yeah, so like there's because uh, I think for this like sort of thing to play out, not only do we have to understand the goals, but I think you have to to some extent understand the geography and understand. Mm -hmm. But whereas it kind of felt like there was lots of like tunnels leading to the same area, and like it, it, you know, it was hard to kind of get your head around it a little bit. And I've seen the movie a number of times now. And even now on this, like, fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever viewing I'm on at this point, I still, like, didn't really follow exactly the sequence of events other than just the general gist of it to get to, you know, when, okay, they're, they're just chasing them into the mold. They can only pour the lead. But I do like the alien's death, though, because so the alien does is in there, it gets poured with the hot lead, and it jumps out, so they think it's dead, and it jumps out of the hot lead, so it's coated in, you know, liquid lead. And then they turn on the water to kill down the lead, so it kind of solidifies while it's on the alien, and then that makes the alien explode. <laughs> yeah. They did another Terminator 2 death. 
well, I know he goes into the lava, but there's also the Terminator 2 scene where they, you know, use the, the liquid nitrogen and then he shatters into a bunch of pieces. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, but that wasn't the death, though, which is why I, you confused me there. Well, you, yeah, <laughs> sure. So, see, now, the reason why I don't think this this is that similar to that is because this isn't, this just explodes into a splat, whereas the whereas the T-1000 did explode into pieces. Like, you know, there was, like, actual pieces mm -hmm. of them, which then obviously reformed. You don't think it was in the somewhat inspirational for this film? Uh, I, I, I was getting like that and then there was also the molten lava scene <laughs> i mean it's a furnace but it looks like she's falling into lava yeah yeah but that's hard that's falling into it no not um the alien the alien never goes into it right yeah the, the alien gets doused but with... it's the hero that does it yeah 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 but the, the, yeah the alien gets doused with the the hot lead um but the actual moment, probably the, the the only one of the other good moments I like actually visually with the alien is the the, the shot of the the lead solidifying on it, so it looks like it's got like a coating of like metal, and mm -hmm. I'm like, ah, okay, that's pretty neat. Why it makes it explode, I don't know if my science is quite there to know if that's complete bullshit or not, but it felt uh, a little bullshit. I think it's still because they also showed the like a bucket had the same effect happening when it got hot and then cold mm, real okay, fast. Okay. Is that it? Um, so they sort of set it up. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. If they if they had a little established like moment of that, uh, mm -hmm. it, you know whether it's true or not. Although I suspect it might be. That sounds like something that's maybe just basic chemistry, <laughs> to be honest. But but I thought that was a cool visual moment. And the explosion itself's mm -hmm, whatever. Totally. The explosion's whatever. It's just an explosion. But the it's the solidifying part where it feels like the alien's struggling to we're, move. We're gonna have a, a lead statue of a xenomorph. <laughs> for a moment i kind of wish it just did i wish it just solidified in place and it was like oh, here it is <laughs> that would be cool but then Whalen and yutani would have a sample that's true yeah they could walk out with it and the question is is would the alien die or once they like chip off the lead would it be alive again <laughs> i don't know it better be really heavy to move though because <laughs> we've seen we've seen xenomorphs like seem to be okay in space now whether or not it's just a case of they can survive in space for like five minutes holding they're like breath. giant insects right so yeah i was trying to think of anything else i glossed over in the movie that uh is worth going back and mentioning i, th I think we covered all the, the big things that that go down um a man gets uh the first death in the movie is a man getting <laughs> uh, killed into a million pieces by a giant fan kind of cool lots of gore yeah yeah a couple of deaths are okay charles dance's death there is actually like a there is actually a close-up shot of the penetration of his head with the, the mm -hmm. alien Into mouth the skull yeah so they obviously they, they, they made a prosthetic head that they could you know poke with this thing and uh it looks, it looks good at least in the quick even, shot you see of even it. in the rape scene where the um the the priest guy comes in and starts beating people like i think we see a little bit of brains at the end of the the, the tool that he used to beat somebody. Oh, actually, speaking of gnarliness, uh, so this is in the theatrical cut, I don't think, because, it, like I said, the openings are very different, how they find Ripley and the ship and all that. But mm -hmm. when you see some shots of the prisoners who go and find the ship and they look inside in this cut, like, you see, like, part of, like, a jaw sticking out of just, like, mush yeah, and, and it's stuff. Like, it's not in the right place. <laughs> yeah. It, so it's, you, it's like, what, does that maybe Hex? <laughs> right yeah or he's it's not newt because we see her later but it's it's got to be hicks right it's either yeah. hicks or it's bishop but we see his jaw later too 
Yeah. So yeah, it's Hicks. It must be. But at the same time though, when they're putting Hicks body in the furnace, it still looks pretty human shaped and what this looked like in the ship did not look human shaped anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like did Charles Dance put a lot of effort reassembling it into a vague a vague shape. <laughs> they probably just got someone else from the morgue and they just wrapped him up instead. <laughs> it's a symbolic burial. <laughs> yeah, there's actually there's a great um uh story actually, a little tidbit of trivia about uh Michael Bean getting a nice payday because someone noticed on set that they'd made like a sort of I don't know if it's like the image on the screen in the computer or if it was like a prosthetic of like his dead body, but someone like told him, Hey, they've got like your likeness, your likeness in this movie and that's they can't do that without paying you like that's not allowed like they they can use footage of the last movie if they want to like do a flashback because that's their footage they don't like do that but they can't do that uh so they contacted him and was like hey you want some money pay me <laughs> and he got paid so uh, so Michael Bean, if nothing else, Michael Bean got a payday out of this movie, despite the fact... Well, good, because he didn't really have a whole lot of work after. <laughs> or at least he wasn't the star we all thought he would be. No, no, no. The 90s onwards were not uh, as Michael Bean filled as I would have liked, but... Me too. That's what it is. But hey, he's got that glorious period where he did Terminator, Aliens in the Abyss, and, <laughs> you know... He's he's in The Rock, which was mid nineties, but he's only, he's like a fairly minor character in it. Sadly, it's been so long since I've watched that, but it is technically sci-fi, so we should do it. How is it technically sci-fi? The virus. <laughs> the MacGuffin. The green balls. Sure, but like that's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> oh come on, it's science fiction. <laughs> Welcome to The Rock. <laughs> uh, I always get annoyed. There's a point in that movie where someone calls sean connery like an english prick or something like that and it always annoys me that he doesn't correct them and i'm like wait mm -hmm. is he meant to be english is he actually meant to be english in this <laughs> we know he only has one accent he can do uh -oh. it bugs me as a scottish person it bugs me that i'm not corrected and saying i'm scottish you bastard we saying sharp but thus that was the tale of alien thrice <laughs> Or alien cubed as the actual the way it's written. Yeah, it's the little on the poster. Yeah, <laughs> uh, not sure why they made that particular choice, but uh, there it is. Also, we should mention the other famous bit of trivia about this is that the first teaser trailer for Alien Three implied very heavily that it was going to be set on Earth. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was just a te it was just a teaser trailer with I've like never seen it. it was like voiceover. And it was like space, and then it revealed Earth, and it was basically I, I I don't know if I'm making this part up, but I think it might have said on Earth everyone will hear you scream, mm. which is a, which is a great like callback to the the first movie's tagline, which is obviously in space no one can hear you scream. Yeah, I imagine if Cameron was making the film, he would have done that. Like, what do you do next? You bring the aliens to Earth. Yeah, I don't know if Cameron was ever involved or even i think really scott was approached to do a third the third movie but obviously he said no yeah uh oh I mean, yeah the, the the one i know about is that right before avp because avp was chosen instead was there was going to be a fifth alien movie written by cameron and directed by scott which i'm still i'm still pissed that that didn't happen because that would have been the perfect concoction you have james cameron writing a good script and then ridley scott 
who sometimes will make a bad movie because he has a bad script. But if you give him a good script, he'll, he'll go and... He's aces. He'll, he'll go and like, give some nice visuals to it and it'll all work. But unfortunately, if you give him a bad script, he'll go and... It'll still make it pretty, but... That's yeah, it. but it'll be like Exodus. Or it'll be Prometheus. <laughs> More than that. <laughs> and two years' time. <laughs> so... Yeah, Alien 3, uh, final thoughts and rating, uh, take it away. Yeah, I've never hated the film, so um, I still like it. I, I don't think it's like, you know, it doesn't reach the heights, obviously, of the first two. I, I love that first movie even more than the second one. And um, I, I like that this one is is kind of really dark, and I like the nihilism in it, and... Uh, actually like the themes that you brought up but with the whole pro-choice thing i think it makes a lot of sense especially if it's playing more off the first movie than the second film um and uh it's still a good watch i think so i'll, I'll give it a 6.5 yeah i it's because i don't hate it I, I think there's a lot of things to appreciate about it as a film there's a lot of things to appreciate about it especially the assembly cut the theatrical cut is a mess but there's chunks missing and some things just don't make sense. But the assembly cut makes it into a more coherent film, which I do think looks very pretty. And, like, you know, we've talked about some of the themes, we've talked about some of the things that work in it. Uh, we do have, unfortunately, some really bad CG alien shots uh, mm -hmm. sprinkled throughout, which do kind of, you know, cheapen it in a safe... Because it, it does look so slick otherwise, so when these shots happen, it really sticks out. Or when she's going to the fire at the end, it just looks really fake and, and kind of goofy. But... That's like a minor problem in the grand scheme of things in the sense that fundamentally, even if this was the movie, the, the exact movie that Fincher wanted to make, conceptually, because it wants to just erase the past, felt the last film and go back to like this like Ripley on her own, fundamentally, that's just a choice that's going to be jarring to a lot of people. It was jarring to me and it still is to me. Like I, I still don't like that it starts that way and I still don't like that I would have preferred to do this story with a different character, even though, don't get me wrong, there are obviously some layers you get to Ripley because it's Ripley and because she's been through what she's already been through. Like, you would be missing something without that. But I don't think... Well, people might be disappointed it's not quite as much of a, a thrill ride as Aliens was. I think if you just did a new character in a new situation because you wanted to, like, go back to a more pared-down, minimalist, like, slow-burn movie, I don't think it would have pissed people off like it did because it you know killed off these characters it gave ripley this horrible bad nasty depressing ending <laughs> to her story uh so because of that like fundamentally there is still even even if it was the exact thing fincher wanted to make there would still be something that i would objectively say i don't like about the the premise but I do think there's a lot of good direction in here. I do think there's there's some good moments, and I do appreciate a lot of things about it, which is why I'm giving it a 6 out of 10. The assembly cut gets a 6 out of 10. The theatrical cut's more like a 4.5. But, um, yeah. So it's not, it's not a train wreck, and, it, you know, I I think this still feels more way more like a movie and has the the cinematic qualities of a movie more than say like you know the last predator movie we got <laughs> or something mm -hmm. you know a lot of these modern movies all just kind of look like tv shows now and feel the same 
this does have a very distinct feel and style and mood. Yeah. And I appreciate that a lot. A lot of style. So, so mm-hmm. uh, six, six for me, it's, it's not a terrible movie in its assembly cut form. It's just... It's not necessarily what you wanted after Aliens either. So you kind of have to, you know, se- separate it in your head and approach it on its own terms. And uh, maybe maybe you'll like it. Maybe. But it's definitely a big step down because of all the things we talked about from the first two. Yeah. And I mean, I don't really remember it as well, but I, I do think I like the theatrical cut too. So I still recommend like watching the film. If that's the only version you can get. Go find the assembly cut. <laughs> I would not recommend the theatrical cut. But yeah, okay, so there you go. That's Alien 3. So 6 and a 6.5. Not bad. But given that I gave both of the last two a 10, <laughs> it's a pretty big... Yeah, as did I. You know, fall. So uh, it is a big dramatic drop-off, even though it isn't, like, you know, complete trash by any means. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see how we feel about Alien Resurrection next year. But anyway, uh, let us know what you think of the movie, of course, uh, in the comments. Like, subscribe, ding the bell, all that stuff. Helps us out a lot. You can go over to patreon.com slash TV to support us, Katnitara. That's right. If you enjoy our reviews, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV, as you already said, where if you donate as well as $1 per month, you will get access to bonus Ace movie reviews. And they are all aces. Because we review the B-movies over there. So if you're looking for your favorites, like Trancers or any sequels that didn't quite make the cut for uh, <laughs> for uh, the main channel, like um, Philadelphia Experiment 2 or the Tremor sequels, um, go over there and check them out. And if you donate $5 per month, you'll get access to these re- reviews one day early and you get some other stuff like a week early so lots of bonuses thank you Tara sounded so annoyed there like what she already said <laughs> sorry I'm sorry I took part of your script yeah thank you I'll tell you what's coming next time but honestly we've recorded these in a weird order and I don't know what order they're gonna end so I'm not even gonna try and guess what's next but I do know that it'll be more 90s alien season because there's still at least two of those left, so look forward to more 90s Alien movies. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed Fire in the Sky last time, and you enjoyed Alien 3 this time, and you'll see some more soon. So, thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Did I thank the Patreon producers? I don't think I did. So yes, thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bordenow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Fordyce. There you go, that's that done. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> We'll see you guys next time. Keep watching science fiction and computer at Salsa.